my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Atlanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Well, today I'm continuing my journey in the Jesse and Joey career journey series. With season four, episode three, The IQ Man. In this episode, Jesse and Joey's latest client asked them to compromise their morals while shooting a commercial. I honestly feel it's more... Jesse's morals that are being compromised, but we'll get to that. So this episode has a 6.8 out of 10. Out of 271 ratings. So this most likely, I believe, is the last time we see James Hampton. All right, I believe, yes, RIP, passed away over two years ago. This is the last time we're going to see him playing Mr. Malatesta. I believe we don't see him again. We have Kieta as the model for the advertisement. We have Anne Marie McAvoy as Kathy Santoni. And we have Ms. Garland. This episode was directed by Joel Zwick. Writers for this episode, we have Jeff Franklin, the creator. We also have Stacey Herr, story editor, Dennis Rinsler, and Mark Warren as writers for this episode. Oh, we got connections. Cool. Um, this is not a connection. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. It just says episode 2.3, season 2, episode 3, uh, ABC TGIF. I don't know what they're trying to fool us with, but that is not correct. Okay, oh, yep, yep, okay. Trivia. Last appearance of Kathy Santoni until Fuller House. That's right, they did get the same actress back to play Kathy Santoni. And if you didn't already know, the actress who plays Kathy Santoni is in a Stephen King movie. Children of the Corn, the original Children of the Corn movie. She played, I believe, a character, I think the character's name was Sarah. Let me double check, though. Anne-Marie McAvoy. Yes, from 1984. Let's see what else she's done here. She was on an episode of Family Ties. She was in something called Space Baby. Archie Bunker's play, she played Little Girl. The Paper Chase in 83. Children on the Corner in 84. Yes, she did play Sarah. Let's see here. Cabbage Patch Kids First Christmas. Oh, this looks like do it. Paula Louise. Aw. Lots of Luck. Looks like a Disney film with Annette Funicello. Hardcastle McCormick. Sweet Sea. What is this? It looks like, a, like an adorable little cartoon from the 80s. Family Ties. Again, yep. We got Potato Head Kids. Oh, okay. So they were, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Home Free. What's this movie? 
Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> there's a small world. The boy who played... Uh, what? Michael Mumford in season two. I cannot think of the episode. John the late Jonathan Brandis plays in a TV movie called Home Free. And, um, yeah, it's got a 9.2 out of 10. Wow. That's not bad for a TV movie. Uh, wow, she was in an episode of Mr. Belvedere? Oh, I haven't even covered this episode. That's from season five. And, of course, she was in four episodes of Kathy San... <laughs> she was in four episodes of Kathy Santoni. She was in four episodes of Fops. So, in season three, for the most part, Back to School Blues, that's when we meet her. her she is first mentioned in the season two episode, I believe, with DJ's very first horse. Then we have 13 Candles. We have Just Say No Way. And, of course, the last episode she's ever in until Fuller House, The IQ Man. And it looks like the last thing she did was in something called Sons and Daughters. She plays a student. And that's in 91. She doesn't come back till 2016. Interesting. Let's see here. Going back to this episode. I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to do it here right now. That's pretty much it. There are no goofs. There is just... A teensy bit of trivia. Let's see if there's any user reviews. Eh, are there any? Let's see. There are not. Alright, first of all, before we get into the episode, I want to let all the Tanner newbies, a.k.a. new podcast listeners that have just tuned into the podcast, jumped aboard the Tanner train, a.k.a. the podcast, want to let you know where you can listen to the podcast, one of which you're already doing, uh, probably on SoundCloud or iTunes. Those are the only two places that you can listen to this podcast. This podcast also is on two other platforms that I do, the Looking Back on My Wonder Years podcast and the Punky Power, an unofficial Punky Brewster podcast, as well as its own All My Lanta Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. The podcast does have a social media page, Facebook page. Just search Full House or Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. You can like it. You can follow it so you know what episodes I'm do, what series of episodes I'm doing each month. Usually a series is either going to be three or four episodes long. Sometimes I'll do like next month for... For the month of July, not next month, because this episode is going to be going out in October. But in August, I would have done a sister's double feature, like I have for the last, I think, couple years now. But for the most part, it's been in a series, or in this case, I think this may be one of the first, other than the Summer Fun series, which I think went over the course of June, July, and, uh, June and July, that's what the Jesse's Musical Career Journey series was in June and July of this year. Also, Instagram, OMHCF, or I think it's OMHC Full House, Fuller House Podcast. 
The podcast also does have an email address if you'd like to write into the podcast, or you can also message the podcast Facebook page. Email address is omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. You want to talk about your full house memories growing up with the show, your favorite characters, all that fun stuff. You can email the podcast. I am so sorry. It is going on quarter to four, and I don't know why. Usually, I have this problem when I start recording in the morning, like at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's going on 4 o'clock right now in the afternoon. But anyway, yes, you can email, you can message. The podcast, honestly, I know I've been kind of dipping in and out of Instagram right now. I haven't been nearly as active. I think also due to the page itself, not just not being active, but not a lot. I don't think a lot of people really know that it's there, so that's probably another reason why. But yeah, if you're a new listener, a couple other things you may not know if you are tuning in for the first time that this. Unlike some of the other Full House or Fuller House podcasts, there are a couple of podcasts that aren't meant for children's ears. They're rated E for expletive. Mine and like one or so others are, mine especially is an ears of all ages podcast. And what I mean by that is anyone of any age can listen to it. You don't have to worry about inappropriate content. I designed this podcast because I love the show. I grew up with the show. I still watch it to this day outside of podcasting about the show. And I wanted a podcast where those that who have also grown up watching the show, who may be introducing their children to the show for the first time, have a safe space, a safe podcast about Full House and Fuller House that they can listen to without fear something's going to come up that, again inappropriate and then they have to have a conversation with their child so yeah also as i said i don't go an episode i don't go episode by episode season by season i do in order of themes i started this podcast back in april of 2019 as of this year our 2023 i'm going to be wrapping up the full house portion in december and then in 2024 i'll be wrapping up the Fuller House portion, and just a heads up, how I'm going to be doing that going forward in 2024 is going to be, the Fuller House episodes are going to be two episodes a week, so that's basically, it's two episodes in one podcast episode that will be released twice a month, so that way you'll have two weeks to finish the double episode before I release the next one. So you're getting basically eight episodes a month. Yes, it sounds like I'm rushing through that, but guys, I've been doing this for more than four years, if you count the other podcasts. And um, I hate to say, I mean, I am enjoying what I'm doing, but if you guys out there also podcast, you've been doing it for a while, you do realize that for some, especially me, this is a hobby outside of my regular paying job. So after Fuller House, I'm done with Fuller House. I mean, I will be doing some Full House related stuff on the podcast. It most likely will be maybe once a month at best. But after Fuller House, 
And aside from the Small Wonder podcast, which is not a all uh, ears of all ages podcast, I have no intention or plans to cover a show in full. The only other semi-exception is going to be the new Wonder Years, which I will eventually get to that in time. They are currently airing season two of the Wonder Years. Haven't watched it yet. I'm looking forward to it. But again, between this and my job and trying to carve out some semblance to have other hobbies, I just, I think going forward what I want to do podcast-wise is I want to just do either random episodes of shows or movies that I grew up with. Could be from, you know, podcasts that I have abandoned where I'm just doing an episode here or there. And I'm not having any plans to complete really any of the podcasts that I've created that have been on the back burner for years. I do apologize about that. But again, I say I've been doing this for, at this point, six and a half years. And again, I just... I need to take a step back and just kind of pull back. And at this point, once I've done Fuller House, and I'm sorry, we'll get into the show in just a minute. Um, I'll have completed at least five shows in completion with Punky Brewster, The Wonder Years, the original Full House this year, Fuller House next year, and Silver Spoons, that's five shows, that's a lot of time. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, because I definitely did, and I do, but again, I think I just need to kind of pull myself back and just, I want to just do other things. I'd like to do some book reviews, haven't done that in a while, I'd like to do some episodes of The Simpsons, and just, just other things, and just books, I really want to start doing, like, mini-casts on book reviews. So, look forward to that down the road as well. And the Full House podcast, after the show is complete, will have Full House-related content and some other, you know, movies I grew up with from my childhood reviews up there in time. But it's not going to be as hugely consistent as it was. So just be, just letting you be aware. So, all right, without further ado, let's get into the IQ man. Oh, and if you hear, if you hear, I don't know what's going on with my voice. I really feel like after almost three years in Texas, I am developing some form of an accent that is almost like a mashup of my Michigan <laughs> Michigan accent and a Texas accent are like fusing words together that come out of my mouth and I'm just like, I've not done that before. But anyway, my furry co-host Quinn, you may occasionally hear her in the background giving her opinion. You may hear her her collar jingle a bit, her little bell jingle. She likes to hang out, listen to me podcast, stuff like that. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into the IQ man. All right, here we go. We have the cold open. Of course, with season four, there are no English subtitles, so 
That's all right. This is adorable. Michelle's in her room reading a bedtime story to Comet. Comet's in the bed. She's in her rocking chair. And it, it's just kind of funny because I don't know if she's like just... Danny's read this story to her so much that she's pretty much memorized it by heart. Because in season... I thought it was later in this season because this episode's episode three of season four. So there's an episode, I swear, swell, Swellbound. Spellbound, I thought that was season, oh, okay, well, maybe it's season five. Okay, hold on. We'll find it. We'll find it. Here, yeah, season five of episode 17. It's like more than halfway through 17, uh, season five. That Stephanie is up for a spelling bee competition, and Michelle wants to know why if Stephanie started reading at four, Michelle's like almost six, and she's like, well, why haven't I started? So it just seems like if a child's told a story, they can flip through the pages. If they've been told the story so much that they memorize it, they can just recite the story to themselves. But still, this is just such a sweet and adorable cold open. So, Danny calls up the stairs. Michelle shuts the book and says, Shh! Daddy's coming. She throws the cover over Comet, races over to the other side of the bed, and jumps in beside him. So, of course, when Danny comes in, he's just expecting the, the lump on the right side of the bed is Michelle. So, he says, Oh, Michelle, did you tuck yourself in already, honey? And this just sounds like this is something that was recorded and played over the video. Where Michelle says, Daddy, I'm sleeping. He says, okay, first I want my goodnight kiss. He whips the cover back, out pops comments head, and he just <laughs> licks Danny's face. And he says, Michelle, what what whips you have? Come and get out of the bed, you weirdo. So he pulls back the, the covers completely. Completely from Michelle's face and says, Honey, how did Comet get in your bed? I'm like, Danny, how do you think he got in her bed? He jumped up. He's been hanging out with her. He's doggy sitting. He's doggy babysitting. She puts her hands up like, You got me? I don't know. He was, I came in from brushing my teeth. He's there. I don't know. What was I going to do? Kick him out? Danny, what the... <laughs> I guess you better put those baby gates back up so you can keep your dog from going up the stairs. It probably isn't a bad idea since you don't want him to, like, blow out his elbow joints, like, running up the stairs. He says, honey, you know the rules. No dogs in the bed. She turns on Comet. She shakes her finger at him and says, you're a big trouble, mister. And he leans over Comet to kiss Michelle and it's just like... The poor dog's face is just being crushed by Danny's <laughs> arm. Because <laughs> he's literally leaning over the dog's head to hug Michelle and kiss her goodnight. And the handsome princess. Yourself in already? Daddy, <laughs> well, first I want my good night kiss. <laughs> oh, Michelle, 
What wet lips you have. Honey, how did Comet get in your bed? He got me. Well, you know the rules. No dogs in bed. Put in this doghouse. Yeah. Real blame the comment. Your comment's like, Michelle, that is the last time I'll come in here and check for monsters under your bed. Next time you're on your own. And that was the cold open. So, we come out of the intro. We're in the living room. Stephanie has a mountain of Kleenex in front of her. This is nasty. Girl, Throw those away. That is the kitchen table where you you and your family eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they want your cold. She's She's got a cold. Girl, go upstairs. Go to bed. Get a wastebasket. Throw all that stuff in there. Because that's basically all used Kleenex. So she's literally just sitting there going. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> There are other places in the house to do that. The kitchen table, I would advise not being one of them. Because if you're sick, you're going to, I mean, she'd make everyone else in the house sick. You know, it's a cold. You know, well, you've got a lot of people living under one roof. It's going to pass from one to the other to the other like the hot potato game. It's just, it's really, eh. And she's just trying to convince herself not to sneeze. And when she does... The whole pile, mountain of Kleenex is just explodes in front of her face. She does. Jody Swinton does a good job of someone talking that's got, like, a stuffed up head cold. So, when Stephanie sneezes and the mountain of Kleenex explodes, Michelle says, Happy New Year! And Stephanie explains to her, Michelle, I, it's not a holiday. We're not celebrating this. I have a head cold, and I feel miserable. And Michelle's like, oh, that's all right. I'll take care of you. She walks over, grabs Comet's water bowl. Ugh. Look at Stephanie, because she is so confused. There's that little table they always bring out when Michelle has a scene. Whether she's coloring, playing with Play-Doh, what have you. A big bucket of chicken, not KFC's chicken, but a yellow bucket with, it looks like a chicken that is wearing overalls. It's like a rooster that's wearing overalls. Gosh, that makes me think of Rockadoodle. <laughs> remember Rockadoodle? Ah, oh, that's such a sweet movie. I remember the first time I saw it on VHS. I was at my cousin's house, and when it ended, I'm like, can we watch it again? And they just kind of looked at me like, have you lost your mind? Once was more than enough. Because you're going to love this. Yeah, goes in the fridge, gets, that is a nice looking turkey leg, or chicken leg, drumstick. So she takes the chicken drumstick and dips it in Comet's water bowl and I guess in her eyes, she's making chicken soup. So she has gathered that chicken soup and sickness. She's probably seen a lot of Campbell's chicken soup. Like, oh, mommy, I have a cold. I'm sick. Here you go. Oh, it's a cold winter day. Here's some chicken soup. She's probably seen all the Campbell's commercials. And that's what she's like, well, I don't know how to make it because she probably didn't see See the person on the commercial make it. She just assumes chicken and water and a bowl that could represent a soup bowl, even though it's a dog's water dish. 
Stephanie comes over because she can't take it she, anymore. She says, what the heck are you doing? You don't expect me to partake in drinking that concoction that you have of dog slobber and chicken skin? Oh, she says making you chicken soup, Michelle says. They're both wearing blue. And I, I normally don't go for the flower print dresses and shirts the girls normally are put in, but the one on Michelle is really cute. It has like three different shades of blue flowers on it. It's really, really pretty. And it matches the white and kind of turquoisey teal scrunchie she has. And of course, it really goes really well with her pretty blue eyes. Aw, she's so adorable. As Jesse and Joey, Joey comes from upstairs from his basement apartment, and Jesse comes downstairs from his upstairs bedroom. Jesse is the third person that's wearing blue in this scene alone. And I gotta say, with his hair slicked back like that, and that blue suit, it's like almost electricish blue, I think. But it's really, it just complements his hair. His hair, his black jeans or slacks, his black shirt underneath. It just, it looks, they are flying high on blue. They, it's working for at least three of the characters that are wearing it. But I think so far, Jesse is in the top running for best outfit just with that suit alone. That suit jacket. And he's wearing, I wouldn't wear the white tennis shoes. So they're ready to pitch pitch an idea for, I believe, the IQ man cologne. So they're really pumped. They're ready to do this. We're going, I'm pumped. I'm psyched. They both do the backwards bottom high five. And they're doing the little double fist pump. And then, of course, they go to do that. Is this... Is this relevant with, like, heavy metal in the 80s and 90s where they're doing not just the head banging, but the, like, knocking heads, foreheads together or something? That, that's a thing, right? I swear it was. I've seen that done in movies. So, Jesse and Joey are ready to be out the door. Joey's like, hey, Steph, give my love to the third grade. And Jesse's like, we're gone. Stephanie sneezes. Oh, a triple sneeze. That's something for the record books. That's something to send into Guinness. He says, all right, we're back. And she says, oh, don't worry. It's just my, my nose, my, my throat, my ears, my chest. So it's more than just a head cold. It is a full all around. And she is, 
Poor girl. It's like, girl, get yourself back up to sleep. Okay, I'll call the school, tell them you're not coming. But then again, who's watching them? Someone's got to stay behind. Or like, hey, boss, can you just come by the house while we pitch this to you? Because we have a sick child and we need to tend to her. Uh, I would be like, if she hasn't already been to the doctor, because she's like, it's my chest, probably a chest cold, head cold, uh, nasal passages, just sneezing, coughing, uh, just horrible. Get her to a doctor. She says, eight years old and I'm falling apart. That's interesting because in season three, she was also eight when Joey, when she drove back Joey's car into the kitchen. Because Michelle's like, my turn to drive. And he says, no driving until you're eight years old. So Stephanie is still eight in season four, but her hair is straightened. Because from this season four onward through to season eight, her hair is never curly again. So Joey does feel her forehead and probably does feel fair. Like, sweetie, what are you doing? You wanted to go to school with a fever? And she just, I mean, she's a trooper. I mean, she's got all the classic symptoms. Headache, just achy, probably achy all over, just ugh. I'm like, girl, you're in no condition to go to school. And she wants to go to school because there's a film strip on how to make cheese. Sweetie. You can watch that on, you can watch a documentary on cheese in 20 plus years on Netflix. Uh, you know, uh, you know any any cable channel, Discovery Channel, uh, the Learning Channel, TLC, what have you, on how to make cheese. Uh, there's an episode in season eight with Michelle and Joey's her substitute where they watched a film strip on how to make maple syrup. Interesting. I remember film strips back in in class in like the um, the late 80s and 90s and stuff, and I just I don't think I ever saw one that had anything to do with how to make a food product. Also, I didn't notice this, but Michelle is staring into Comet's water bowl that she has on the table. Wait, she's still got that drumstick between her thumb and forefinger and she's so twirly but the way she is so intently focused on it and she's staring down at it like she's trying to solve like the most difficult problem in the world right now she is so literally intently focused her brows are furrowed like she's really trying to concentrate <laughs> when Stephanie says, oh yeah, we need to see if uh, we're watching a film strip on how to make cheese. And both Joey and Jesse look at each other like, ugh. Luckily for Stephanie, she changes her mind quickly. Like, you know that bed is sounding. And, and the thing is, Deej is going to school. You'll have the bedroom to yourself. It'll be fine. You can rest. So Stephanie heads into the living room to head upstairs, and Michelle follows after with Comet's dog bowl, saying, Finish your soup, young lady. Gee, hey, sweetie, the dog needs water. Put the bowl back, take the drumstick, throw it in the trash. That dog needs his water. I'm gonna go over like, oh, I'm so thirsty. Wait, where's my water bowl? Well, you ready to pitch that big account today, Jess? Looking good, Joseph. Looking sharp, Jess. I am pumped. I'm psyched. <laughs> Hold it. I'm not going in there with a dented head. 
It's good thinking. Steph, give my love to the third grade. We're out of here. We're gone. We're back. Don't worry. It's just my nose, my throat, my ears, my chest. Eight years old and I'm falling apart. That's it. No school for you today, young lady. Get your PJs on and up to bed. But we're supposed to see a film strip on how they make cheese. <laughs> you know, that bed is sounding better and better. Kimmy comes in the back door. Of course, she's wearing a striped shirt that's got lavender. See, it's almost like kind of a sea green, sea foam color. And then you got bright yellow, bright red. And I, I like that it's not too overpowering because sometimes they put her in just some ridiculous. I mean, because that is her character. But this one is not bad. I do actually like it. She's like, hey, howdy, guys. And Jesse says, hey, Joseph, look, Kimmy's gone country. Girl, she comes in there. DJ! Yes, yeah, because they want to lose their hearing for this meeting that they're going to with their boss. They're not even going to be able to leave if Stephanie and Michelle are there by themselves. Hasn't Danny already left for work? Oh, no, that's right. He hasn't. Okay, I know who's getting worse outfit of the episode right now, unless there's another contender later. DJ is wearing a split pea green shirt or top with plum colored leggings. And they just, together, they look atrocious. But I do like how Kimmy's black pants, black shoes, and her yellow socks match her shirt because there's a black thin line that's going between the colors the stripes on her shirt so this is career day that dj is in charge of seems like she isn't she's in charge of a lot of stuff but then again you know she's on the paper she's in charge since like it feels like third grade she's been in charge of doing a lot of stuff the backwards dance and just say no way or just say no one of the episodes. Uh, also, now she's in charge of career. How is... What? Is the teacher just wanting an off day or something? Like, oh, any... Oh, she probably asked for volunteers. You know no one else was going to volunteer. DJ's like, all right, I'm going to do it. This will pad my resume for college. That sounds really cool. She asked them if they want to help participate with career day. I'm in charge of bringing people in to talk about their careers. Can you guys both come in for talking about advertising to the class? And Joyce, yeah, sure. Not a problem, Deej. And, of course, the ever-famous, I'm there for you, babe. And Danny, of course, hates feeling left out. And this is his daughter, says, I'm there for you too, babe. And, of course, DJ has to burst his happy bubble because he is just grinning from ear to ear. He does not want him to be there. She's like, oh, Dad, thanks, but I'm sure you're working that day. And Danny says, oh, honey, no, I got time. I'm never too busy to inspire the youth of America in <laughs> the 90s. Uh, Danny's tie, I I don't know. It's just really, it's like they spray painted it kind of a light gold color. 
like fake gold and then put like different little diamondy colors on there and it just it against his burgundy-ish shirt it looks incredibly tacky but it just seems like Danny's ties never really go with his shirts and he is gloating now at this point he says yeah you know I'm a, I guess this is where it pays off you know having the your dad is a, a TV show host on Wake Up San Francisco. And Kimmy says, DJ, you better tell him. And DJ says, Kimmy, I can't. Look how happy he is. He's, like, beaming. And Danny's grinning from ear to ear. And Kimmy says, yeah, you're right. I'll tell him. Oh, yeah, she says, oh, yeah, he is happy. I'll tell him. And she says, oh, we don't need you, Mr. T. We already booked a big TV star. And Danny is just deficit bigger than me and dj says uh we uh, our classmate jimmy said he could get his aunt aunt connie he says yeah she tells him jimmy chung said he could get his aunt connie and he can't believe his ears connie chung <laughs> really hey what you know what i, I gotta say this it's not the first, and it will not be the last Connie Chung reference we get on this show. One of the writers has got to be a major Chung fan, because, my goodness. And you can't believe it. Like, you got Connie Chung for career day? I've been trying to get her on my show for, for years. And Kimmy says, you know what, Mr. Tanner, why don't you have your people call my people? And if I were Danny, I'm like, Kimmy, you're 13 years old. You have no people. No, and Sunny, he points at DJ. He's just kind of like sneering in Kimmy's direction. DJ. And DJ is like, Dad, I get it. I know. You've said it before. Make new friends. Make another friend. You just have the one. I get to choose your bestie, but... All these supposed friends that we've heard that she has over the years. And we've only seen Kimmy. Uh, this will be the last appearance of Kathy Santoni. I don't... Wait a minute! This may be the last appearance, but this is not the last time her name is mentioned on the show. We get her name dropped in season six and season seven. Because apparently Steve gave her a ride home one day from school. <laughs> Bad boyfriend there. You don't give your girlfriend's frenemy a ride home from school. Especially if your girlfriend is not sitting in the passenger seat next to you while this is happening. And also in season seven in the apartment episode where Kimmy and... DJ are get, throwing a baby shower for Kathy Santoni. And I guess, she, like, Danny found, oh, Kathy Santoni's already married. She's having a baby. And she's getting credit for it in home ec. What? Okay. Moving on. Howdy, boys. Oh, good. Kimmy's gone country. <laughs> Here. I'm in charge of career day. Will you guys come down to my school next week and talk about advertising? 
Yeah, sure, Deej. We're there for you, babe. I'm there for you, too, babe. Uh, well, thanks, Dabby. You're probably busy. Oh, I'm never too busy to inspire the youth of America. <laughs> I guess this is where it pays off really big having a dad who's a star wake up San Francisco, huh? Tell him. Chung? You booked Connie Chung for career day? I've been trying to get her on my show for years. Tell you what, have your people call my people. DJ. I know, Dad. Make new friends. So, they were going to have a meeting with this representative of the product that they're going to come up with a commercial for. And Mr. Malatesta and this lady come down and right off the bat, this lady is a hungry tiger when she sets her eyes on Jesse. Because Mr. Malatesta's there and Jesse says, I, I, I'm sure, you know, this is an inconvenience for you. Hopefully that'll be, doesn't, oh, he says, I hope it's worth the inconvenience. Oh, they have a little table display of the IQ man cologne. And she looks at him and says, Abby says, I'm sure you'll find it's worth the inconvenience. And she says, looking at him straight in the eyes and says, oh, I'm sure I will. Jesse is definitely flattered, I'll say that. Also just realized something. This is episode three of season four. Two episodes earlier, Jesse just got engaged to Rebecca. I mean, I'm sure he's flattered, you know. He knows he's an attractive man and everything like that. But still, this lady is all up on him. It's like, you are a potential client. This is, this, right off the bat, is crossing the line. Jesse says, um, I'm going to go get ready in the getting ready area. Meaning, like, over there, like, far away from you, ma'am. This... I mean, if Jesse has got to be in his late 20s at this point, this woman, I, I would say, honestly, she's got to be somewhere in her mid-30s. Or maybe on the downward end of 30s. And if, I mean, this, this is what, like, as a kid, what 30s and 40s represented. You looked all... It's just, as a kid... You're seeing anyone over the age of 25, 30, 40 years old as closer to I don't, your grandparents. I, I don't know. It just it just seemed like everyone looked so much older back in the day. It's just, I get it. It's an area where Joe, it's basically Joey's bedroom apartment because, you know, there's the bed there. They have a table set up with the cologne, but... It just feels too intimate with that bed being there because she and Mr. Melatesta sit down on the bed to watch Joey, excuse me, kick off this IQ man ad that they want to do. It's not IQ man, it's just called IQ, the new cologne. 
the smell of the 90s. That's another thing. It just felt like back in the day where either in a movie or a TV show, they're like, it's the 90s. Yeah, I heard that so much in TV shows and like, even with T, uh, and even like in TV shows back in the day, like, hey, it's it's the '80s. That's just what you do. How do we refer to it now? Hey, it's the '20s. <laughs> it's just what you do. Uh, I I don't know. I don't. I um. It's not like we said that when we were in the in the teens. And hey, it's the teens. How do you refer? I mean, I know that anything. Like the early aughts. We call it the aughts. Like, hey, it's the aughts. Nobody does that anymore. How do you refer? I don't know. Again, that red <laughs> lights, when they make that the studio next season in season five, would have come in pretty handy here as he's in the middle of explaining how they want to set up the IQ cologne, how, you know, just sit there. We want to make, the, we're going to take your product. We're going to make it the, it's going to outshine Calvin Klein's cologne and stuff like that. But boom, here comes Stephanie. I need my nose drips or my nasal spray. He called it sneeze juice. He says it's backing up into my nose. How did you put it? It, it can do that. It honestly can, depending on, there's two, there's like, um, I think one is like a stream and one is like a spray. It just depends on how you're, I think it depends on how your head is angled as you're doing the, uh, the nasal spray. How in the world is it backing into her ears? It's shooting up her nasal cavity and traveling the distance to her ears? How does that, you are putting them up your nose, right? And not in your ear canal? I hope. Let Joey take care of it for you, sweetie. You obviously have not used nasal spray before. Why would they let an eight-year-old use nasal spray? They probably assume, like, here you go, here's some nasal spray. Read the back of the bottle, it'll show you exactly what you need to do. So, Joey says... Okay, I'm going to put put a pin in this. Just give me a second. I need to help her with these nose drops. And Mr. Malatestas, <laughs> and the client is not amused. Well, I'm sorry, ma'am, but the only two adults in the house right now are down there in the basement with you. Yeah, she's in her jammies, and he tells her to tilt back. Stephanie gets on the floor, tilts... Her head back to the point where the back of her feet, it's almost like she's forming a triangle because her head is tilted back to the point where she, her, the back of her head is touching the bottom of her feet. And, of course, you know, Stephanie's a dancer. Everything, you got to be limber and all that stuff. So, cool. Show your remarks on her being very limber. He gives her the, I don't know, saline solution, nasal spray. But she's bent. Her head is bent so far back. Wouldn't you? That would cause it to like really like give like like you you feel like you're drowning like because of I don't I don't know. That's just how I feel sometimes. Like if I drink like pop or something, you know how it like you drink like you 
it goes down the wrong hole almost, like, not like you're, but it's like, it goes down, like, up, and somehow, uh, winds up in your nasal passages, and you feel like you've taken on too much water, like you've swam too far out, and you're starting to, you know what I mean. I don't like that feeling of almost drowning when I'm drinking pop. It's not a good feeling. Oh, those are some <laughs> magic nasal spray because she says it's working I can breathe again yeah and then you eventually need to re <laughs> reapply that later or re wet your nasal passages because they're all dried out from you blowing your nose constantly so she can finally breathe and she's like I can breathe again something's really stinky uh, and Mr. Malatesta is not happy either it's like can we please we are inconvenienced enough as it is to come out here. Now we're being inconvenienced even more by be, our time is being swallowed up by you taking care of this kid. And <laughs> Joy says, well, we know it's not the smell of the 90s. Here comes Michelle with a glass that it's big enough to hold an entire orange that hasn't been peeled. Made her some orange juice. See, this is why we understand why in Captain Video, she can't, the two combinations of stuff, she can't get the concept of, oh, orange juice goes into a glass, an orange in a glass, hence orange juice. Um, I'm pretty sure she's been around cartons of orange juice before, she should know, but to each their own, it's a four-year-old kid. Girl, take your little sister, go upstairs, the guys are, see, again, this is why they gotta have a red light that says when this light is on, you don't come downstairs, we're working with a client. Should've just kept that office, should've just kept that office. It looks fresh, get your sister and go upstairs, please. She is, Michelle is a taskmaster, she is like, get to bed now. Move it. I said move it, mister. Michelle, as Stephanie goes up the stairs, she turns and says, ah, kids. Michelle, you have no idea. <laughs> so, Joey tells them, picture a library with a woman draped with chiffon. So, he tells them, as a classical music swells, a great intellect enters, and here comes Jesse with his glasses he normally wears when he's composing music, or in this case, coming up with great advertising, jingles, and now commercials. Yes, this is where Joey refers to him as the IQ man. Jesse comes down, of course, like I said, wearing his glasses. He's also wearing a bathrobe, smoke, which kind of resembles a smoking jacket, and he's carrying a very old book. That looks like it's seen better days. And Jesse does a, I want to know if I can live with what I know. And Jesse adds, and only that. So all of a sudden there's a dreamlike mist and then the goddess comes alive, goes over to the intellectual man who is pondering. And Joey, playing the part of the goddess, says, there's something about him I can't resist. Is it his eyes? As Jesse whips off his glasses and raises an eyebrow. Is it his smile? Jesse with a half smile. It's like he's trying to conjure Elvis. Jesse puts up a hand and says, stop. Turns to the goddess and says, 
If you must love me, love me for my IQ. John Stamos is really, when he says, if you must love me, he is breaking. He's about ready to burst. He's smiling to the point where he's about ready to burst out laughing because the scene is just goofy. He, he, oh my, he is really, he, he is really <laughs> trying to keep it in and he can't. Joey turns to Mr. Malatesta and the lady and says, IQ, now available in biodegradable roll-on. So it can be a deodorant as well. That's pretty cool. First, the lady is not happy. She says, that made absolutely no sense. Yeah, she says, that made absolutely no sense at all. Oh, she had them for a second. She says, it's the perfect cologne ad. She tells them they got the job. While the lady is shaking Jesse's hand, Joey informs her that Jesse and he will be directing the commercial. And Jesse tells her, we will find the perfect IQ man. And this lady is saucy. She says, oh, you've already found him. You. Jesse's like, me? Uh, uh me? <laughs> he says, no, I, no I'm, I'm not a model. And she's looking right in his eyes saying, you're hot. He just kind of waves a hand in front of like, nah. You see the, you hear, sorry, you hear the audience, a couple audience members go, yeah. She keeps approaching him, like getting in his personal space saying, you're sexy. You've got great hair. And he says, okay, you've got one. And Jesse's like, I, I would just feel silly. And Joey's like, as he... It's got a hand on the lady's arm saying, he would love to do this. Joey says he would love, Jesse would love to do this. Jesse, agree right now or we're losing this client. And she just, she is just, she's, she's thirsty, she's hungry, whatever you want to call it. I'm just, oh, she's, makes me uncomfortable. And I'm not even in the show. But this is just uncomfortable to watch because she is clearly crossing a line that will be crossed many, many times later in this episode. So, she not only crosses the line, she, like, leaps over it. So, Jesse is irritated with Joey for basically volunteering Jesse. Takes Joey's nose in his two fingers and hauls him over to the corner. And Jesse says, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to prance around some, like, some smiling slab of beef. Really, it's the biggest break of your career, a cologne ad for IQ. Oh, my goodness. Are you trying to beat out Calvin Klein's cologne? Because good luck. And Joey says, oh, don't blow it because you have a weird hang-up about beef. Um, Joey, you need to read between the lines. Jesse is not comfortable. This lady is just being all kinds of wrong with him. She's hostile. She's overbearing. She's in his personal space. Mr. Malatesta ain't helping either. He's like, basically, Katsopolis, either here are your options. Either you do it, you do it, or you do it, or I'm just going to fire you right now. So, basically, <laughs> you do not have any options. You're doing this. Jesse says, uh, what was the second one again? We'd really like to thank you for switching the meeting to our house. Yes, I'm sure you'll find it was worth the inconvenience. I'm sure I will. <laughs> Get ready in the getting ready area. Excuse me. <laughs> Wait till you see what my boys have cooked up for you. Take it away, Gladstone. Thank you, Mr. Malatesta. Ms. Garland, my partner and I are going to make your new men's cologne 
IQ, the smell of the 90s. Joey, Joey, the sleeve juice is backing up into my ears. Excuse us, it's time for her nose drops. <laughs> okay, tilt back, Steph. She's very limber. <laughs> okay, fire one. <coughs> fire two. It's working. Hey, I can breathe again. Something's really stinky. <laughs> Well, we know it's not the smell of the 90s. <laughs> there you are. I make you some orange juice. <laughs> it uh, sure does look fresh. <laughs> Back to bed right now. Move it. But Michelle, I said move it, mister. <laughs> Kids. Okay. We fade in on an elegant library. We pan over to a portrait of a goddess draped in but a wisp of chiffon. As the classical music swells, a great intellect enters. The suave, classy, Debonair, back into the IQ man. <laughs> I want to know if I can live with what I know. <laughs> and only that. As the IQ man ponders that thought, hmm. <laughs> A dream-like mist fills the room. Suddenly, the goddess in the painting comes to life. She's drawn to the IQ man by a mysterious power. <laughs> There's something about him I can't resist. Is it his eyes? Is it his smile? Is it stuff? If you must love me, <laughs> love me for my IQ. <laughs> IQ. Now available in biodegradable roll on. <laughs> Absolutely no sense at all. It's the perfect cologne ad. You've got the job. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks very much. Uh, Jesse and I will direct the commercial. Right, and uh, we'll find the perfect IQ man for you. Oh, you've already found him. You. Me? <clears throat> Me? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not a model. You're hot. Nah. <laughs> You're sexy. No. <laughs> You've got great hair. Okay, you got one. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I would, I would feel silly. He would love to do this. Wonderful. Excuse a second, won't you, Joseph? 
I'm not doing this. I'm not gonna prance around like some smiling slab of beef. Jess, this is the biggest break of our careers. Now, don't blow it just because you have this weird hang-up about beef. Casopolis, uh, let me explain your options to you. Either you do it, you do it, or you do it. What was the second one again? So, looks like this is the next day because DJ and Kimmy are both wearing different outfits. It's career day. She comes in and says, hi, Dad. And then she says, hola, Becky, which, again, she's taking Spanish, so cool. <laughs> and Danny's like, oh, yeah, I have a great career day. Oh, say hi to Connie Chung for me. And Kimmy is actually trying to butter Danny up because she says, oh, wow, Mr. Tanner, you look really good in earth tones. He picks up on that immediately. Kimmy, we all know, is all about the snark. Danny ain't biting. He says, what do you want, Gibbler? DJ's got a beef with this Jimmy Chung. Because she says, hey, Dad, you remember Jimmy Chung, the pathological liar? And Danny's like, oh, yeah. Let me take a shot in the dark here. You couldn't get his Aunt Connie, could you? And Kimmy says, he doesn't have an Aunt Connie. And then DJ adds, his last name's not even Chung. You don't know your your classmates that well, do you? I mean, I know they're all in different classes, but... Did she just hear it through the grapevine, this kid? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, Jimmy Chung, he's in my biology class or something like that. And he said for career day he can get his... Well, is this just one class that's doing career day? Or is the entire school, each classroom, doing career day? I don't know. Danny, of course, takes his time to gloat. Yeah, Danny stands up. He's like, oh, well, what do you know? Looks like you two are in the market for a big TV star. Ah, oh, he is really gloating, like, getting in Kimmy's face, saying, oh, Kimmy, Kimmy, Kimmy. Why don't you have your people call my people? Of course, Becky jumps in right away, saying, oh, I'll do it. And DJ tells her, oh, thanks, Becky, because they're on their way to school. And Kimmy's like, oh, yeah, be there right after lunch. So Danny was really expecting the girls, especially Kimmy, to kind of grovel, like, oh, please, Mr. Tanner, please, we need you. No, uh, Becky's good enough. Like, no, they like, uh, our classmates like Becky. Dad, you're not really, they're not a fan of you. You can sit, sit this one out. Becky's enough. And Danny <laughs> jogs after him like, girls, uh, can't, can't you take a joke? I mean, you know I don't have any people. <laughs> you're my people. And DJ says, Dad, it's fine. You can come if you want. It's not a big deal. And DJ says, I mean, I'm sorry, I should have asked you in the first place, but, I mean, I got caught up in Chung Man. Kimmy, too! The idea of a, you know? And he says, ah, oh, didn't we all? <laughs> Hi, Dad. Hola, Becky. Hi, girls. Hi. Well, have a great career day. Send my regards to Connie Chung. Boy, Mr. T, you sure do look snappy in earth tones. <laughs> what do you want, Gibbler? Dad, remember Jimmy Chung? pathological liar oh i'm just taking a shot here but uh you couldn't get his aunt connie huh he doesn't have an aunt connie his name's not even chung well what do you know <laughs> looks like you two are in the market for a major tv star 
Oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Why don't you have your people call my people, huh? I'll do it. Thanks, Becky. Be there right after lunch. Okay. Whoa, go girls, huh? Can a guy make a joke? You know I don't have any people. You're my people. It's okay, Dad. You can do it. I should have asked you in the first place. I just got caught up in Chung Mania. All right, so it looks like we're going to a production studio to shoot this commercial, which takes Jesse by surprise because he's got his smoking jacket. You know, he's expecting this to be a library. Now, all of a sudden, it's a shower. I don't know. Do you put cologne on after you take a shower? I, I don't know. I, I mean... Well, Joey did say it's bi also comes in the form of biodegradable deodorant, but usually when I think anything like a um, commercial that has a bathroom setting is going to be anything for either body wash, soap, shampoo, and when I say soap, I mean like bar soap, stuff like that, or you're brushing your teeth, just something to that degree. This is, you're selling cologne and biodegradable deodorant, roll-on deodorant. Jesse even has the individual storyboard setting for what it's supposed to be, because I thought that they were directing it. Who are all these other people here? I mean, I got it, you got wardrobe, you got, you know, set design and this and that. And Jesse's just like, this is not what we planned. What happened? She said she thought it was... A great idea now all of a sudden but then again this is the person in charge of that product so I guess if they want to flip-flop and her motive is basically based on Jesse's attractiveness and how she is so physically attracted to him she's just using what she's fantasizing in her mind to put into a commercial he says we ordered a library set not a bathroom set Joey with a bullhorn, he's wearing red, he says, all right, strike the set, who's responsible for this? Joey, you were there, I thought, before Jesse even got there, you would have an idea. So he's acting perturbed on Jesse's behalf. Oh, Mr. Malatesta says, oh, by the way, this was Miss Garland's idea, which... Again, if it's her product or she's the one representing it, if she wants to make changes, I guess that's on her to do that. You don't need the bullhorn, even though I guess he's supposed to be directing this. He yells at her, all right, everyone, back to work. Yeah, and she says, oh, well, I just couldn't picture the IQ man being, Je you know, Jesse. I couldn't picture him in a smoking jacket in a library. The more I thought about it, the more I pictured you in the shower. And I'm like, that is crossing a line. That is so unprofessional. I don't care if it's 1988 or 89. Yeah, and I don't care that she's a woman. Doesn't matter. You don't make remarks like that to the person that is going to be. You don't make those remarks to anybody. You want to have those thoughts? Great. Keep them to yourself. I see where Jesse feels his morals are being compromised. I mean, yes, he knows he is an attractive man, but why is someone taking that and using it against him for their their own gain? This will make anybody feel uncomfortable, regardless of whoever, you know, 
gender, they, you know, any, anything. Jesse basically feels my job's online. If I don't agree to do this, I'm basically out of a job. And I like that he does in this, he, he takes a stand. It's like, hey, no, I am not doing this. I mean, he starts to because, again, this is a client. He's working for Mr. Malatesta. And Jesse, it takes him a second to kind of latch on to what she's getting at. Why would I wear a smoking jacket in the shower? Oh, right. And she says, oh, that's why you'll be wearing this. And she holds up a large washcloth. That, oh my gosh. I don't know if this guy's a set designer, but right behind Jesse, this guy's got a smile on his face. Like, hmm. Yeah, this guy in the background, he's like kind of smiling. Like, oh, that lucky guy. Or it's just something. Like, I mean, I, I don't like that guy's expression. He's thinking probably because Jesse's a guy, he would be fine with this. Jesse takes the washcloth from her and looks at her and the look that he gives her just he is visibly he is very uncomfortable and he and it's almost like he's being backed into a corner i mean and, and this lady is quite a bit older than what whether she w was older than him or not is not the point of course it just imagine you're doing a job and then you have a client come up to you <clears throat> And say, oh, we're doing this commercial, and we want you to be in it because you're great. But we're changing it to the point where you're going to be basically out of your comfort zone. You're going to be revealing parts of yourself you would most likely keep hidden. And I hope you're okay with that because that's the vision I now have. I just, I, just, I don't. I don't like this for him. It's not right. What is this? This isn't what we ordered. We ordered a library set, not a bathroom set. Okay, strike it. Strike the set. Who's responsible for this? Uh, this is Ms. Garland's idea. Okay, people, back to work. Come on, let's move. Let's go. I just couldn't see the IQ man in the library. In fact, the more I thought about it, the more I saw you in the uh, shower. <laughs> Why would I wear a smoking jacket in the shower? Exactly. That's why you'll be wearing this. So, okay, we cut to the next scene. Of course, Jesse is in the shower, just poking his head out. He's got his reading glasses on as he's delivering the lines. I want to know... He says, I want to know if I can live with what I know. And only that, as he pulls his head back into the shower behind the curtain. So, Joey, I guess he is directing it, because he says, cut, cut, cut. He goes over to Jesse and says, Jess, look, the idea is to show the IQ man, not the IQ head. And Jesse said, pokes his head back out and says, too bad, the head is all you're getting. Because he's got, you can, around his neck, he's got this long, large towel draped over his neck, covering his chest and torso. Joey turns to us and says, oh, maybe a little ice cold water might help. That's a real shower in there? Well, he says maybe a little ice cold water will help him over his shyness. So Jesse comes out wearing a towel wrapped around his waist. He Again, like I said, he's got the same color burgundy towel around his neck draped 
past his chest to his torso. And I think this is the first time on Full House we have seen Jesse pretty much shirtless on the show. And of course you get the cat calls from the ladies in the audience. And Miss Garland goes up to Jess and says, oh no, no need to dry off. In fact, I'd like to see your body wetter as in remove the <sighs> And Joey adds in, oh, the wetter the better. He is basically like whatever Miss Garland says goes because she's the client and we want to make her happy. They really, I get it was her decision to have Jesse be the stand-in model for this product. However, he's being put in an uncomfortable position. I was like, you know what? Then you need to find yourself another IQ man because I can't. I'm not going to do this. That's what Jesse has to do. And Mr. His boss is not going to stand up for him. Joey, apparently, first off, is not standing up for his friend. Knowing he is extremely uncomfortable, then I'm like, then this is a job that you're just going to have to walk away from. If they can't respect that your morals are being, and your beliefs are being com compromised, then it's not worth it. Nobody should be made to feel uncomfortable like that ever. Regardless of age, regardless of... However you identify, nobody should ever be made to feel uncomfortable by someone else objectifying them like that. And that's exactly what this woman is doing. So, Jesse excuses himself for Mrs. Garland says, Joseph, put your nostrils between my two fingers. And he hooks them and he's like, no, I need to have a word with my partner here. And while they're over there talking, Mr. Malatesta goes up kind of, Puts his hands up to Miss Garland. Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what's going on. They're normally not like this. And Jesse tells Joey, Joey, this is exactly what I'm talking about. It's like I'm a Big Mac in a bath towel. And he says, Joey, I am not a hamburger. I'm a human being. I'm not a piece of meat for someone to ogle or drool over. Oh, Joey's wearing a Red Wings, Red Wings cap. So he says, Jess, buddy, look, as long as I'm director, you will be treated with dignity and respect, which he's gotten neither of from this client. And Joey says, all right, hose him down. This guy in a yellow shirt with a bunch of, like, black, like, images. I'm not sure what those are. Squirrels, animals, target practice on that guy's yellow shirt. He's using something that you would find at the dentist with like the water thingy that they use to rinse out your mouth with. Basically that's what he's using as Jesse. He's basically backing Jesse back into the shower. All right, so Jesse's in the shower. We're gonna do take two this time. More steam Joey calls for. Which of course, Jesse's wearing glasses. And uh, you know that if you wear glasses, any type of steam, with it being so hot here in North Texas, I've walked out of a grocery store at like 9 in the morning and my glasses are fogging up from the humidity and I'm just like, why? I don't know about you. I mean, I know this is going out in October and I'm recording this in late July, but um, at this point, I'm ready for fall. And when I say I'm ready for fall, I mean like late October, November. 
Because it feels like fall down here doesn't hit until like November and December. So Joey calls action. Jesse flings back the curtains and says, <coughs> I want to know if I can <laughs> with what I know. And only that. It's like, and he's caught, there's so much steam. His glasses are completely fogged up. Does he really need to be wearing the glasses, I guess, is what I'm asking. He really, he doesn't. No one wears glasses in the shower. Why? You don't need them. You don't need glasses to wash your hair and shampoo your hair. You don't need that stuff. Here comes the model in something that looks like Vanna White would have worn on Wheel of Fortune back in the late 80s, early 90s. He manages to clear his glasses, or clean his glasses off when the model says, there's something about him I can't resist. Is it his eyes? And he, like, wipes his glasses off. And she asks, is it his smile? And he laughs nervously. Or he chuckles nervously. And he says, stop. If you must love me. Love me for my eye. And then he just is like, I'm in a bath house. Like, he, like, he just realizes this is ridiculous and it makes no sense. You're advertising cologne while coming out of a bathtub, out of a shower. I don't know any cologne ad, whether it's on the television or in, like, a magazine that has somebody coming out of the shower and you're advertising cologne. Joey just aggravates me. He goes over to Jesse, not under... He's like, come on, Jess, what's the problem? He says, it's not working, Joey, okay? It's not. And and Miss Garland says, oh, yeah, he's right. It's not working. He says, thank you. And she says, that towel, as she holds up scissors, is much too big. She starts chasing him with scissors. And he goes to Mr. Malatesta, who's got his hands on his hips, says, Mr. Malatesta, will you help me out here, please? And he won't defend Jesse at all. He says, oh, well, she's the client. And Jesse shoots back with, but she's chasing me with scissors. And he just tells Jesse, well, so, stop running. And Jesse's had it. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to stand here and be exploited by you. And... Mr. Malatesta says, no, hey, Kasopoulos, as long as you're working for me, you're going to do what she says. And Jesse, of course, is speaking for him and Joey because they're a package deal. He says, okay, fine. Well, we don't work for you. And he starts walking away, and Joey is just standing there. It's like, dude, you guys were in this together. Go with him. I really like, thanks a lot, Joey. And all the times I had your back. You can't support me this one time. And Mr. Malatesta says, you're making a big mistake. I'd be like, excuse me, no, you're making a mistake by not supporting me. By not understanding that I am being basically sexually harassed by the client. That is the kind of client you want to represent? Great, go for it. But I'm out. Nobody should ever have to compromise their moral, morals and their beliefs for something like this, for anything like that. And Jesse says, the biggest mistake I ever made was working for a spineless jellyfish like you. 
Chewie is basically sucking up to Mr. Malatesta, saying, "Oh, sir, in some cultures, this the jellyfish, the find of the jellyfish, or the jellyfish is considered a delicacy." And Joe, Jesse's just standing behind Joey, just uh, rolling his eyes ever to the heavens. And Jesse just kind of whacks Joey on the shoulder and says, "Let's go." I, I can't. I'm. We're done with this man. We're done with him. Because I don't ever want to see him again. Mr. Malatesta, goodbye. He was so good in the episode Working Mothers, giving them an office, allowing them to work from home. And then he does this. And you've just become the biggest creep slime ball right below Stavros. That actually, Miss Garland is right below Stavros. He even says, oh, Gladstone, you're a good man. You know just when to suck up. Oh, a kiss up. He says, you know just when to kiss up. And Joey says, I am a kiss up, aren't I? And Mr. Malatesta says, yeah, one of the best. Dude, you're not breaking up this duo. It ain't happening. They've been together a lot longer. And nothing will break this team up. Joey turns to Jesse and says, I sold you out, didn't I? And Jesse says, Joey, you hosed me down, basically. And Jesse tells Joey, he's like, Joseph, we're, we're partners. We're friends. And Joey, really, yes, you guys are brothers. You're like brothers. Joey throws an arm over Jesse's shoulder, and I love the, sm the smile that Jesse has. As he points at Jesse, glares at Mr. Malatesta, Joey says, This man is not a hamburger. And <laughs> Joey says, And I am not a side of fries. And he tells Mr. Malatesta, And you, sir, are a chicken McNugget. <laughs> Jesse says, Joey, you gonna quit or are you gonna order a Happy Meal? Like, dude, let's go. We're done. You're wasting our time here. Yeah, yeah, he points a finger... At Melatesta and says, hey, we're quitting. And jo Jesse throws out a hand and says, oh, yeah, partner, put her there, man. Yes, they do got better places to... That's right! They're supposed to be at the school for the career day! And then, oh, of course, they stop, and Joey says, uh, we just lost our jobs, didn't we? You guys will be just fine. You don't need him, Okay. And Joey says, asks, uh, where are we going? And Jesse says, career day, of course. And action. I want to know <laughs> if I can live with what I know. <laughs> and only that. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. Jess, the concept is the IQ man, not the IQ head. <laughs> Too bad, the head's all you're getting. <laughs> a little ice cold water will help him over his shyness. Oh, 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 Tim, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. No, no, no need to dry off. In fact, I would like to see your <coughs> body wetter. The wetter, the better. <laughs> Excuse us, won't you? Joseph, hop on. <laughs> You see, this is exactly what I'm talking about. I'm nothing but a Big Mac and a bath towel. Joey, I am not a hamburger. I happen to be a human being. 
Jess, buddy, as long as I'm a director, you will be treated with dignity and respect. Thank you. Okay, hose them down. Oh, 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 oh. Watch your hair. Take two. Okay, this time give me more steam. And action! I, wa <coughs> I want to know if I can live <coughs> with what I know. And only that. There's something about him I can't resist. Is it his eyes? Is it his smile? <laughs> Is it his... Stop! If you must love me, love me for my eye. My eye. I'm in a bath towel. I'm in a bath towel here. Come on, Jess. What is the problem? It's not working, okay? He's right. It's not working. Thank you. That towel is much too big. Oh, cut, cut. Not you. Not you. Jeff. Whoa. I won't. Whoa. You got a Can you help me out here, please? She's the client. She's chasing me with scissors. So, stop running. I'll not stand here and be exploited by you. Cassopolis, as long as you're working for me, you will do exactly what she says. Okay. From now on, we don't work for you. We quit. You're making a big mistake. The biggest mistake I ever made was working for a spineless jellyfish like you. What? <laughs> uh, sir, you know, uh, uh, in many parts of the world, uh, a spineless jellyfish is considered a delicacy. <laughs> oh, you're a good man, Gladstone. You know, just when to kiss up. I am a kiss up, aren't I? One of the best. <laughs> Sold you out, didn't I? Joe, you hosed me down. <laughs> Just we're partners and friends. This man is not a hamburger. And I am not a side of fries. And you, sir, are a chicken McNugget. Joe, you're going to quit or order a Happy Meal? <laughs> we're quitting. That's my partner. Come on, we got better places to be. We just lost our jobs. Where are we going? Career day. <laughs> so, DJ, of course, we're in the classroom. She is pretty much running the whole thing. Career day. We got a butcher. Everyone's got uh, meat on a string. This guy, because he's wearing... Okay, he's just... I don't know why, because the guy's got a beard and mustache and everything. He's just giving off Dom DeLuise vibes with that hat. But we also see sitting to DJs behind DJ on the other side, we see a police officer. And she says, all right, now we're going to move to the TV and film industry. And she even apologizes for the unfortunate Connie Chung incident. And I guess people are kind of bumming about that. Kids are bumming. They want to see Connie. Oh man, I want to see Connie Chung. And she says, but just as exciting, we have the co-host of Wake Up San Francisco. And we see Jesse. We see, no, we don't see Jesse. We see Becky and Danny there. It looks like we see someone who may be a nurse. We do see the teacher behind the desk. We also see someone who um, they're wearing a golden colored 
suit jacket, so I'm not sure what position, what career they're supposed to be representing. DJ is the only one pretty much uh, happy for them to be here. She says, let's give it up for Danny Tanner and Rebecca Donaldson. And she does the City Hall. Woo, 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 woo. None of the kids care. They don't care. They want Connie Chung. And Danny is as far from Connie Chung as you can get. So Danny and Becky pretty much deliver their lines like they're doing the episode of Wake Up San Francisco. He says, wake up, Vanetta Junior High. I'm Danny Tanner. And Becky chimes in with, I'm Rebecca Donaldson. And she says, this is basically what we do. We talk to each other. And Danny adds yes and to our guests as well. And he also adds, and we listen, and we, and Becky chimes in with, and we finish each other's sentences. Yeah, this kid, these kids here are just, even Kimmy, it's just, this is, they're not impressed. They are not impressed to say the slightest. I don't even think if Becky and Danny were to be in front of kids from 2023, those kids would all be on their phones, odds are, or they would just be sitting there just like these kids, very annoyed, or they'd be asking ridiculous questions. So Danny starts in on a story about his first job in television. He's like, as I look out at all your bright, shiny, round faces, I'm reminded of my first job in television. Assistant stock boy at in, in, uh, Antenna Town, so basically, like, what, a radio shack? And, of course, Danny's just trying to eat up time. He's like, that reminds me of a long story. And Becky's like, hey, Danny, look, we got our first question. Okay, really, Kathy Santoni? Why is there a calendar that says August? Hey, my birthday would have been on Friday that year. Interesting. She wants, Kathy Santoni needs to know how tall Connie Chung is because she doesn't have the internet. She can't just look it up on her cell phone or Google it. So she's like, how tall is Connie Chung? I'd be like, sweetie, sit down. Connie Chung is not here. I have no idea how tall she is. Just, do you have a question for Danny or Beck? You don't? Then sit down and save it for later. I <laughs> like this. He says, Connie Chung is not here, and uh, I am. And, oh, by the way, I'm 6'4". <laughs> the cop behind Danny when... Kathy Santoni asked that question. The cop behind Danny kind of looks up like he's hoping Danny has an answer for him. And when Danny doesn't, the guy just looks so dis so disappointed. Like, oh, I thought he actually knew. <sighs> oh, Kimmy, we don't know. Stop. DJ looks so betrayed. Like, Kimmy, you're my best friend. Why are you razzing on my dad like that? Yeah, she says, oh, but if... Connie, we're here. How tall would she be? <sighs> Write her a letter and ask her. I'm sure she's got tons of fan mail. Who does Connie's hair? Probably the person on, um, you know, the, the makeup artist probably does her hair. Or the hairdresser. Or I don't know if there's separate departments for wardrobe hairdresser and, or maybe stylist. I don't know. DJ's had enough. Everyone is, is, like, talking at once, asking questions. DJ says, that's it! Look, Connie Chung couldn't make it, okay? She didn't want to come. She didn't want to be here. She had other priorities, like, oh, I don't know, her job? Get over it. All of you, get over it. Here come Jesse and Joey, looking very, um, 
down in the dumps. Yeah, she get DJ goes up to the uh, back of the house like, oh look, who's here from the exciting world of advertising? Joey Gladstone and Jesse Katsopoulos. Come on down, like this is the price is right. It's like, okay, thanks guys. Dad, Becky, you can get out of the way now. Thank you. Danny can't believe it. He's like, thanks guys? Th that's it for me and Rebecca? Butcher had 10 minutes. It's like, yeah, but he gave samples, so sorry. This is literally almost over. So we have like a couple minutes to be able to squeeze in Jesse and Joey. I mean, that's the thing. You want to pack in as much career opportunities as humanly possible. The butcher gave out midget salamis. I bet that meat's got to be cold and hard as a rock and just really old. And ugh. I wouldn't eat it. And it's not even encased in plastic. It's just on a, like, a string. And Danny says, hey, I'm not above bribes. Maybe the kids would like some autographed pictures of me, huh? As he starts pulling them out of his briefcase. Yeah, he's like, I brought the pictures and I have a special felt marker. And Becky's like, Danny, please stop. It's over, Danny. So, yeah, they go sit down and DJ says, all right, boys, take it away. Actually applaud for Danny and Becky. I think they're applauding for the fact that they went and sat down. <laughs> no, they're applauding Jesse and Joey. Jesse is loving the attention. Thank you, thank you. It's almost like he's on stage. And of course, um, <laughs> DJ does not know that they don't they don't work in advertising anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he says, Oh, by the way, just if you really think about it, this whole career thing is really just overrated. And he's like, you know, Joey, there's more important things in life, right? What do you think? Can you give some examples? I mean, think about it. I didn't even have to go to college to become an advertiser, and look at me now. All balanced record. Yeah. DJ is just gonna... She's striking out left and right. First her dad and Becky. No. Jesse and Joey don't really have any advice. Really cool sunglasses. Throwing water pressure in the shout. What are they even talking about? They're just rambling. At the mouth. Jimmy hits a nail on the head. She asks... Did you guys lose your jobs? Did you lose your jobs or something? And Jesse says, zip it, Kimmy. And Joey says, we have something more important than our jobs. We have integrity. I thought they were going to say we have self-respect, which they do because they walked out of their job and said, we're not going to take it. We're not going to take it. How much does that pay an hour? Well, uh, what was minimum wage back in, what, 89? I don't know. Hey, when I started working in 1998, I think I was making, I think it's 99. It was not, I think it was 90. Anyway, I made like five whatever an hour. wasn't a whole lot. I mean, and by the time that 2014 rolled around, I was making like 840 an hour. <laughs> so I'll tell you something. <laughs> How about that? Say bed the bell. The kids all leave. Joey is still talking to the kids as they're leaving. He's like, kids, remember, keep your heads held high. Carry exact bus change. Yes, no running in the hallway. And it says, I think you really moved him there, Joe. Thank you, Mr. Krause, for introducing us to the wonderful world of meat. And now, as we move into the field of TV entertainment, I'd like to apologize once again for the unfortunate Connie Chung incident. Oh. But, just as exciting, 
we have the co-hosts of Wake Up San Francisco. Let's give it up for Danny Tanner and Rebecca Dowsett. Who are right here. Wake up, Banana Junior High. I'm Danny Tanner. And I'm Rebecca Donaldson. And this is basically what we do. We talk to each other. And to our guests. And we listen. And we... Finish each other's sentences. <laughs> okay, now, looking as I am right now at your beautiful, shiny, round little faces, I am reminded of my first job in television. I was assistant stock boy in Antenna Town. And, you know, it reminds me of a long story. Daddy, look, our first question. How tall is Connie Chung? Connie Chung is not here. I am, and I'm 6'4". Thanks a lot. <laughs> Yeah, but if she were here, how tall would she be? Who does Connie's hair? Who cares? That's it. Let's face it, Connie Chung couldn't make it, so just get over it. Oh, look who's here. From the exciting world of advertising, Jessica Sopolis and Joey Gladstone, come on down. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. That's it for me and Rebecca. The butcher had ten minutes. Sorry, Dad, but class is almost over. And the butcher gave out midget salamis. Hey, I'm not above bribes. In fact, maybe these kids would like some autographed pictures. I mean, I brought the pictures, and I have a special felt marker and everything. Danny, it's over. <laughs> Take it away, boys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. stop and think about it. This whole career thing is overrated. <laughs> I mean, there are more important things in life. Right, Joey? Sure, like a uh, well-balanced breakfast. Right. <laughs> and, uh, really cool sunglasses. Yeah, and uh, strong water pressure in the shower. That's a good one. Yeah. Did you guys lose your jobs or something? Zip it, Gibb. <laughs> we have something much more important than jobs. Yeah. We have our integrity. How much does that pay an hour? So remember, kids, always keep your heads held high and always carry exact bus change. And remember, no running in the hallways. I think you really moved them. I feel so bad for you guys. What happened? Oh, our boss just pushed us too far. We quit. Look... I'm the last one to give advice. Okay, I'm the first one. But maybe you guys should go into business for yourselves. You could write and market your own commercials and direct them for your own production company. Yeah, we just learned about this. Why don't you guys get a small business loan? That's a great idea. I mean, you've got the experience, the talent, the contacts. All you need is to rent some equipment. And find some studio space. And print up some business cards. That's it. Hey, 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 pushed you too far beyond the level of your comfort zone and was not supporting you and letting you be sexually harassed by a client. I think there'd be some type of a contract 
of what could be allowed and what could not be allowed in a or of or just Jesse saying I am agreeing to do this but these are the things I will not go against I will not do I would not I'm not compromising my moral just just something to protect himself and Becky and Danny don't exactly ask, like, oh, what do you mean he pushed you too far? What happened? I thought you liked your job. You you said you liked your boss. What's up? Because they don't elaborate. They don't elaborate about it. So Danny says, you know, I'm the last person to give advice. And they all kind of look at him and say, okay, I'm the first person to give advice. And between all three of you know, they all, uh, Becky and DJ and Danny also just like, hey, you have the experience, the know-how. You may as well just go into business for yourselves. And DJ adds biz about business cards. You're renting studio space, equipment, all that stuff, and create your own advertising company with video and audio and all that fun stuff. It's like, yeah, your own production company. And, of course... Everyone's so excited about it, it just takes a minute for Joey and Jesse to realize, like, what just happened here? What are we agreeing to? Well, yeah, because they even bring out the whole idea of maybe them getting a small business loan, which I don't know how that would work. You know, Joey probably doesn't have the best credit. I don't know if he's got a... He does have a credit card, that's right! Because... He's maxed out on his credit. And he's always, like, needing money. So I don't know about them, but, hey, it turns out there is a source in the family that is willing to donate the money and be a silent partner. Oh, 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 call, doing a good old callback to the beginning of the episode. Remember how um, Stephanie was sick? She's finally recovered, but poor Stephanie. Poor, I mean, Stephanie's doing a lot better. She's, Michelle comes up asking for a tissue, takes the paper, which is probably Stephanie's homework, out of Stephanie's hand and just blows snot rockets into it. <laughs> she got, she got her cold, which, sweetie, you're been around, you, you, I'm surprised the whole family hasn't come down with that cold yet. That it hasn't went from person to person to person to person. Becky doesn't live there yet because she's not married to Jesse, but I would imagine... Just by being in that house, you would get a cold. And then she says, oh, thank you, and hands the paper back, and Stephanie just takes it by the little top of the corner. It's like, no, you keep it. I don't get it away. Ugh. Like, Michelle, did you not see the Kleenexes on the coffee table? Uh, she takes it and just says, how rude. And Michelle's angry. She says, you gave me your cold. Take it back. <laughs> she shakes her finger at Stephanie. And I like how Stephanie says, hey, no can do. Once it's out of my nose, it's out of my hands. Like, <laughs> once it leaves to my body and I'm well again, whoever strikes next, it's on them. And Michelle just glares at her. And Joey came home with a grocery bag, asked Michelle how she's doing, and Michelle said, points at Stephanie and says, she makes me sick. And Stephanie reiterates, well, what she actually means is I gave her my cold. She's sick now. And Joey says, you know, I'm sorry you got Steffi's cold, sweetie, but you know what? I bet because you took such good care of Steffi that Steffi's going to take good care of you. Right, Steph? As he winks at her. And, of course, Stephanie ain't going to play this game. She says, yeah, right, Joey. 
<laughs> nice try. She says, nice guilt trip, Joey. And, yeah, somebody turns the tables and says, in the words of Michelle Tanner. Upstairs, into bed, move it, mister. And, of course, Michelle's like, okay, okay, don't have a cow. Chill out, dude. Sorry you got Steffi's cold, but you know the good news? Since you took such good care of Steffi, I'm sure Steffi's gonna take really good care of you. Right, Steph? Nice guilt trip, Joey. <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Bye, girls. In the words of Michelle Tanner, you, upstairs, in a bit. Move it, mister. Move it. Chill out, dude. <laughs> So we go to the kitchen, and Jesse comes down the stairs with bad news. Unfortunately, the bank did, in fact, turn down their small business loan, which is not really that surprising. But Joey is shocked. He, said, he asks, well, how could they do that? And Jesse says, well, I don't know. Maybe because we have no experience running our own business. No collateral, no credit. Oh, no credit rating. He asks, well, what do you think that they turned us down? And Joey asks, hey, or he tells him, look, just because you're cranky and unemployed doesn't mean you need to take it out. You're unemployed too, but he's keeping the positive outlook. Joey is. Um, I can imagine, especially if the bank is going to give you a loan, of course, if you don't have any credit history, you've never had a credit card. But then again, Joey has. Granted, it's not the greatest, but um, yeah, if you don't have anything to put up for collateral, like, Jesse's motorcycle. It's got to be big enough depending on what they need to start this business. I mean, I'm sure business cards don't cost, but I mean, don't they already have some equipment that they could use? I mean, oh, wait a minute. That's the good news, bad news episode. That's m later on, um, even though I covered that back in September. But um, yeah, I was going to say, you know, they have that equipment already. <laughs> no, that comes later. So, Danny comes down saying he heard about what happened in the bank because I'm guessing he was listening at the top of the stairs or he was listening on the phone call that Jesse got in his room. He says, hey, I think I have a way to make you feel better. And Jesse says, oh, you're not going to sing that impossible dream song. And Danny says, no, I'm just going to hum it while you take a look at this as he pulls something out of his shirt pocket. He pulls it out of his pocket. It's a check. Danny, please stop. D Joey even's like, Danny, please stop humming, okay? Enough. Granted, I guess he can do that since he's the one donating money. He's going to be a quote-unquote silent partner because when Jesse opens the, the folded piece of paper, it's a personal check from Danny Tanner. I don't believe it says the amount, though, because I don't know how much they would honestly need. Would you really need that much to start your own business? And Joey asks, why are you giving us all this money? And Danny tells him, well, because I believe in you guys. 
And he says, after all you've done for me, I'm happy to do this for you. Part of me honestly feels that that house is paid off due to the money they probably got when, you know, Pam passed away. And that's why he has that money available. I mean, we all know Danny is just such a good saver when it comes to money. So I think that's why. It's such an undisclosed amount that I don't honestly think that... I mean, I don't think it's a check for $50,000. I don't think you need that much. It's a, it's an advertising company that they're doing together. What do they need? Like, oh, to rent some studio space, uh, some equipment. I mean, come... I mean, unless it's a thing that you're, like, renting that space for the duration. Like, it's always going to be in that particular location and this and that. But then again, you got to think about um, if you are doing that, you're also going to be paying people to come in to, well, I don't know how that would work. Because wouldn't they just be an independent, like, what do they call those independent contractors that, like, go out and get their own business and stuff by approaching... I'm surprised they don't, but the thing is, if those people work with Mr. Malatesta's company, odds are I don't really see, unless the guys can sway them, like in a Jerry Maguire situation, say, hey, who's coming with me? We're starting our own company. You know how good we did on these things. Or they'll probably, well, we don't want to go against Mr. Malatesta's business because that's going to look bad. And I can imagine that Mr. Malatesta is not going to want the guys trying to take his company's client, so that would be very interesting to see how that goes. We're never going to see Mr. Malatesta again, so. He says, this is not a gift, it's an investment. He tells him, I want to be a partner in your success. Actually, yes, it's, um, in the Good News, Bad News episode, Danny does bring that up again, like, oh, I want to see, because they're basically using the space in the attic for their production company. And he's like, oh, it's good to see what my money has. You know he's going to bring that up. Like, I'm happy to see what my money is paid for. And Jesse takes the check and says, wow, that's a lot of money. Did you say partner? And I'm sure Danny reiterated, like, yeah, silent partner, yeah, but still. J and J and, you know, silent D over here. <laughs> Creative services. He's like, don't worry, I'll be silent, uh, you know, closed mouth, no butting in, none of that stuff. And Danny starts rambling, and Jesse says, Danny, can you, like, pipe it for a second so we can tell you that you're in? I mean, he'd have to be, because he's investing money into their company. He is so excited. It's uh, like the Three Musketeers again. Double J and D creative services, and it's like, eh. And he's like, silent D. He starts humming the impossible dream again, and he's just like, stop. Do we gotta listen to us just because we're taking the check from you? Joey, that's bad news for Double J Creative Services. Bank turned down our business loan. Why could they do that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because we have no experience running our own business, no collateral, no credit rating. Why do you think they turned us down? <laughs> hey, just because you're cranky and unemployed, don't take it out on me. Guys, I heard about what happened at the bank, and I think I have a way to make you feel better. No, no, don't tell me you're going to sing the impossible dream again. <laughs> no, I am just going to hum it while you take a look at this. This is a personal check from Danny Tanner. <laughs> 
Why are you giving us all this money? Because I believe in you guys. After all you've done for me, I'm happy to do this for you. This, this is not a gift. It's an investment. I want to be a partner in your success. Dan, this is beautiful. Well, that's a lot of money. You are so... Did you say partner? Well, silent partner. Come on, what do you say? I'll be totally closed mouth, no budding in. I'll keep my nose out of it, mind my own business. My lips are sealed. Not a peep out of it. If you shut up for one minute, we could tell you that you're in. Yeah? All right. Double J and D, creative services. Of course, the D is silent. All right, so that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> and so, best outfit, of course, Jesse's blue suit in the beginning, his suit jacket that goes great with his black pants. And then, of course, worst outfit, it was what DJ was wearing with like the limish green and the plum colored pants are just. Ugh. Uh, runner-up, I think Becky's outfit was pretty bad from the career day, uh, and it was kind of like a, it was kind of a muddish gray, it was just, it wasn't not flattering at all. Like, come on, Mary Laughlin's beautiful. Ever wear something with some, you know, colors in it? Brown is not a... <laughs> It just, I don't know. I guess it just depends. But anyway, Tanner Teachable moment for this episode. Again, do not ever feel that you have to compromise your morals for a job, for a person, a relationship, a friend, and anything like that. Don't give away a part of yourself to make someone else happy. Because... You are the most important. What makes you you is the most important thing in the world. And you lessening yourself for someone else or something else is not worth it. Nothing is worth losing yourself and making yourself uncomfortable. I mean, come on. If anyone, business, friend, however... Is important enough to you that you, if they really care about you, they would not expect you to make yourself uncomfortable or be out of your comfort zone to make them happy. Because it's just, you felt Jesse just uncomfortable. Sure, he's an attractive man, but that doesn't mean that he needs to be ogled and treated the way that she was full-on sexually harassing him. She was unnecessarily putting her hands on his shoulders and she was just talking inappropriately about envisioning him in this and just stuff like that. Like, you want to have those thoughts? What have you? Don't bring them to my attention. I don't need to know about them. It just, that just really, really bothered me. No job, no job's worth that. Like, you can find a job anywhere that won't make you feel that way. Any job worth having is a job, a company, a manager, 
who makes you feel that your self-worth is the most important thing there. You being comfortable in your position, not only that, but being able to feel comfortable to come to your manager, Mr. Mr. Malatesta, just that person he was in season three is, is basically no more. He was closed off and only wanting the client's wishes to be, to be met. Forget how Jesse and Joey feel. They're the ones that are present, you know, you know, and it's just, again, you should be able to feel comfortable coming to somebody and being flat out straight, straight and just like, hey, I don't like this situation. I, I don't want to do this. And you, you need to respect that. Jobs are going to, people are going to come and people are going to go. Jobs are going to come and jobs are going to go. But your self-worth and who you are, that's forever. That's the whole thing is it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It's what you think about you. That's important too. And again, like I said, I'm not a therapist. This is just how I feel in my heart. That's just how I feel in my heart. That's how I would go about a situation if that were, if I were in Jesse's. And let's talk about Joey too real quick. You know, he realized he wasn't backing up his friend. It's like, buddy, we're, we're partners in this, man. You gotta, you gotta back me up. You gotta support me. I mean, Mr. Malatesta ain't gonna do that for me apparently, but I at least expect you to. So yeah, like I said, this just it was a it was a good episode. Um, really hits on stuff that is very very important when it comes to the workforce and just integrity, self respect. So next week I am finishing the two month long Jesse's musical career journey, and it has been a journey because we are. Guys, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we are finishing. <laughs> we are finishing Jesse and Joey's career journey with season six, episode. I'm scrolling. There we go. Uh, season 6, Episode 4, entitled Radio Days, Jesse and Joey are offered a job as radio DJs. So yes, they've done the advertising thing in Seasons 2 and 3 and 4. Wiping the slate clean, Season 5, they pursue their own interests with their music, with their comedy. Boom, Season 6, the duo is back. The dynamic duo is back as radio show hosts. From, for the Rush Hour Renegades for the radio station. And let me tell you, you couldn't have found a better pair of co-hosts because these guys work so good together, I'm telling you. So, <laughs> yes, and that will be the final episode of this Jesse Joey career journey. So have a great weekend enjoy i hope you enjoy the podcast if you want to leave an email you can at omhc fhfh podcast at gmail.com you can 
follow along on the Facebook podcast. Just type in Full House or Fuller House podcast. All my Atlanta Holy Chalupas podcasts will pop up. Follow it so you'll know what series of episodes I'm doing each month. Also, if you haven't yet and you'd like to, leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. You can use emojis to describe episode titles. You can hit me with a trivia question. All five-star reviews, of course, do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House fans like yourselves. And with Full House ending the podcast portion this year, 2023, I would love it if I could get some more five-star reviews. That would be so awesome if you could. Y'all could do that. It would make my year, make my day, make my week, just make my whole self happy. All right. Bye-bye, everyone.